there wasn't any time for, let's call it a cooling off period. Let's call it a time for the rates or the market to become, you know, a little bit more adjustable in the buyers and sellers' minds, where we've got this kind of, you know, drastic 180 flip within such a short period of time that buyers and because mark and because rates are still going up and up and up is that the buyers still haven't wrapped their head around where is this market going. So that's why you're seeing these offers come in 100 to 200. Our average offer is about coming in $200,000 under asking rate. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui. I think today's probably going to be kind of a state of the market, kind of a, a follow up. I interviewed Andrew Perry out of Canada last February. We, I was just looking at that. I, I can't realize it was actually that long ago. Um, but I got to interview Andrew on the podcast. He had a lot of big things going on in real estate. Since then, we follow along on, with each other on social media and chat now and then. And I thought it'd be fun to get him on here and get a perspective of what's going on in real estate. Andrew, how's it going? Great, man. Yeah. Wow. You know, when we had chatted about popping on uh, for this, uh, you know, quick conversation, I had, uh, I was trying to think of when we last spoke. And so not only was that, um, you know, back in February of this year, um, but that feels like five markets ago as well. Right. So yeah. excited to, uh, you know, chat about what's changed and, you know, kind of how we're dealing with it. Yeah, it's really interesting when you're talking about five markets ago, like, um, and, and different markets are kind of lagging and performing slightly different, That's right. you know, and a month ago, people in Northern New York were telling me like, Hey, we're still getting multiple offers on all of our listings. Well, other people are like, Hey, we're not. And now the people in Northern New York are like, no, it's taking a little bit longer. And so we go through like these seasons of the market, but yeah, back in February, I don't think the Fed had even done their first rate increase yet. No. Like it was getting a little bit harder to do business refi loans because people were kind of talking about it, but there was like this weird kind of chatter and then that quickly developed. So if you're talking about from then to now, mm -hmm. like what has, what have you seen in the market? Like what was it like for, you know, the first few months as, cause, cause you're in Canada and I don't know how, how, how closely that relates to the U S market as we see those trends, but as, you know, the Fed started raising their rates, as people started slowing down, as, you know, mortgages became higher, people got less excited. What was the, like the trend or the transition you saw to get to now? Okay. So since, uh, we will, we'll start, we'll, we'll go from, you know, periods. However, let me just quickly tell you what has happened since then, just in a kind of a, a quick little nutshell for you. Um, and your listeners. So we've had seven rate increases. So I don't know exactly how many y'all have had in, in the States, but in, in Canada, we had seven. So we went from, um, I think a prime, what were we at? Just under 3% to now just under 7%. So that is one hell of a, 
of a change in the yeah. past in the past uh, ten months. So now let's let's chat about to answer your question a little more directly. Let's see what happened from February to March or April, where we saw every home was listing under market value, holding offers, and selling on offer night with a minimum of ten to fifteen offers. Come March, those offers went down from 10 to 15 down to five. By the end of March, April, you might have only got one or no offers come offer day. Now, that is coming from our market in Niagara, which was or is about an hour and 10 to 15 minutes from Toronto. So to answer your question, or, or sorry, to, to reflect on what you said about upstate or people in New York, in Toronto, we're still kind of seeing that. So, you know, we have uh, an agent on our team, Claudia, who's from the big city. She still sells there. And we just listed a house at $7.99, expecting it to sell around $1.2. Now, as much as I hated those times because they're so crazy you know it does feel good to get one of those listings sold within a week because where we are today is that it's taking three months four months just to sell your average house right now yeah you know the we're getting so down in austin right now and most of central texas so like dallas texas performing pretty well right now they still have between three and four months of inventory which is uh, emergency status but down in central Texas, we're getting eight, nine, ten months of inventory. Uh, mm-hmm. In like San Antonio area, it's like two or three year, two or three years of inventory, and wow. San Antonio has never seen that. Based on and and when I do that, it's based on how many houses have sold in the last month and how many houses are on the market. So if we do that pace, now we have a seasonal slowdown anyway. November and December are a little bit slower. But the strategy, my strategy before, had always been in times like this when you go to list that house, like list it below market to make sure you get the eyes on it and make sure you get those offers. Mm-hmm. So if the comps are at 500, bring it on at 450, it might sell for 450 because the market's down, you know, 10% in the last few months um, from those. Or if, you know, if the people really like it, then maybe we'll push back up. And, and whereas the difference before would have been, you know, like listed at what you think. But what I'm seeing is I'm listing at 50,000 below market and 50,000 below comps. And we're getting offers that are another fifty thousand to a hundred thousand dollars below that. Below that, that's right. And all the buyers are just in this mindset of no matter what, they're going to offer less. And it's one of the first times I'm questioning my listing strategy because I feel like if I had listed it at five hundred, I actually would have got four fifty, which is yep. totally different than advice of years past. Years past Correct. was like, no, like list it for the price, and then the market's going to going to determine that. But I feel like right now they're actually looking at list price and they're saying, well, no matter what the seller wants, we can offer less. And um, you seen anything like that hearing that from any yeah. of your agents? Yeah, absolutely. So as soon as you kind of started chatting about that, I, I immediately started thinking, hey, you know what? Whoa, if we did that, we would be selling or getting offers at, you know, 50, 100K lower. So what I think the biggest problem was between now and, you know, back in the day when those types of strategies, you would have a traditional three-step 
you know, choice. You'd say, okay, let's list it below market value, at market value, or above market value. Mm-hmm. Where the reason why that's not working right now is because it was such a drastic change in the marketplace where there wasn't any time for, let's call it a cooling off period. Let's call it a time for the rates or the market, um, to become, you know, a little bit more adjustable in the buyers and sellers minds where we've got this kind of, you know, drastic 180 flip within such a short period of time that buyers and because Mark and because rates are still going up and up and up is that the buyers still haven't wrapped their head around where is this market going? So that's why you're seeing these offers come in a hundred to 200. Our average offer, um, is about coming in $200,000 under asking right now. So it's a massive difference and massive stretch trying to get anywhere close to what the sellers were even hoping. So what we're doing now, and you know, the reason why we're doing this is to set expectations is we're adding a schedule A to all of our listings and saying, number one, the seller agrees to list within five, maybe 10%, depending on the house, of course. If we feel the house is attractive, it's solid, it's going to bring us a lot of exposure and additional leads, um, then yeah, we can list within 10% of what we're suggesting. However, your average Schedule A is going to say that the seller must list within 5% of what we're suggesting or we're not taking the listing because right now we've got 25 listings and about $100,000 in marketing costs. So that's something that we're trying to avoid. And we've got 20 pissed off sellers. I mean, we have really good relationships with our sellers, so they're not pissed off, but I'm sure they would have loved to sold two months ago. Um, And then what we're also doing saying, if you canceled the agreement, and decide to list it with somebody else or sell it at or below this price, then we we are entitled to commission. So again, it's not something that we're trying to scare them, but we are setting expectations to let them know that, look, we've done our research. The house should sell at this price or less. And if you're not willing to even consider our reports, then we're not really willing to consider working with you. And it's a way to protect ourselves, but it's also a way to reinforce that we know what we're doing. And if you want to get this sold, this is our best shot to do it. Are you seeing any people that are writing offers at asking price or above? Are you still seeing that? Or do you think that everybody, when they come, whatever that list price is, there was a strategy in like, Oh six, Oh seven, as the market was kind of trying to, it was starting to change a little bit. And people would be like, hey, we want to get 300 for it. So let's list it for 320, right? They would, they would intentionally just lift, list above the price because as it started to slow down coming off of, of this, you know, housing market boom, people were like, well, let's list up here. And then people are going to ask for a discount and we're going to meet in the middle. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's so? So one, the first question was, is anybody offering asking? And then two, is that a strategy? Is that a strategy that, that you would think people should be looking at up there? Yeah, so so nobody's offering asking at all. So the house could even be an obvious, you know, obviously priced at market value home, and it still would not get anywhere close to asking. So it's just a mentality, and we we have a couple of reasons for that. Mainly because the influx of new realtors and influx of you know. We're getting a lot of people are getting listing calls right now and 
the sellers are somewhat prepared that they know that it's going to be a fight. They know that they're not going to get exactly what they're wanting. So they're fishing out for like discount brokerages and discount agents. So what the problem with that is, and not to talk about anybody's business plan or the way they run their business, but they typically don't have the most professional or most trained agents in those brokerages. Let's just say that where they they'll almost take whatever listing they can get just because it's a listing. So they're not giving the sellers the correct information. So where am I going with all of that? Is that let's just say a house is listed for 500, but it's only worth four. Now we've already started so high that a buyer, if they're even coming close to being interested in the property, is going to be like, these sellers are out to lunch. We're going in at three because they're hoping to end up at 380, 390. And then they're just not getting anywhere because the sellers haven't been properly educated. So we're kind of at this dance where the a lot of listings are just holding which is creating more inventory, which is creating more longer days on market, which is really just screwing with everybody. So yeah. now we have buyer agents that are coming in. Well, this house has been on the market 60 days, which is really not that long. If you fat, if you go, if you rewind three uh, years ago, uh, or this house has been on the market a hundred days. So that must mean that this house that's worth 400 should only be offering at 250. So it's, we're at this really weird, uneducated, um, time in the marketplace where everybody's just kind of throwing, you know, the pasta scenario, throwing spaghetti yeah. at the wall and seeing what sticks, and and just nobody's really educating the sellers. Hey, real estate rock stars! This is Aaron Muchastegi, and I'm interrupting myself to bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors. There's somebody I've been looking at for a long time, and when they reached out to me, I said, "Yes, we have to be able to do this deal." So that sponsor is Follow Up Boss. There's a lot of superstars out there that use Follow Up Boss. What's your favorite CRM? We're using Follow Up Boss. We use Follow Up Boss. So we use Follow Up Boss. I love Follow Up Boss. I love it. We have action plans now for bringing on new agents. We have action plans for our recruiting. Uh, we call them action plans and follow-up boss, which will trigger tasks for the agents to do as far as calling. Follow-up boss, I like more for the integrations with everything, MailChimp, call action, all those different products. I will say we used Sync and we switched from Sync to follow-up boss. Honestly, the greatest CRM I've ever used, I've used Brivity, Sync. I've looked at Boomtown, like Real Geeks, just a bunch of different ones. But me personally, I fell in love with Fub about like seven months ago when I first started using it. I've used Boomtown, I've used LineDesk, I've used Conversion, and I think follow-up boss gives you the most integrations Mm -hmm. that are simple and it gives you the best ability to go and integrate large things into one single solitary platform yet at the same time it's still affordable i do like follow-up boss better just because it you can text from the app and things like that it's just a little more convenient for me um it tracks everything that i need i can customize it if i want if i want to go smart list based that's fine if i want to go task based it's fine i think it's one of the best systems and it's very user friendly it just really helps me never drop a ball because it's so user-friendly. I don't have a one horse in the race with Follow-Up Boss. Purely objective, Follow-Up Boss has been the best one that we've found. Now, I've used Follow-Up Boss. We've actually used it in our non-real estate businesses as well because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing. So here's what we got. 
For Real Estate Rockstars listeners, you get a 30-day free trial. That's normally 14 days. So in order to get this, you go followupboss.com, just like it sounds, forward slash rockstars. Go there, get your 30-day free trial, and check it out, especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet. This will be a great one for you to start with. Thanks again. Now back to our show. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it is throw it at the wall and see what sticks. We've seen a, a big influx in central Texas too, of these kind of robo offering scenarios where people are just the day we put it on the market, we're getting like four or five offers, just extremely discounted from people going, Hey, I'm a cash buyer investor. They haven't seen the property. Right. But they're saying like, Hey, you're listed at 500. Hey, we'll offer you 360. Hey, we'll mm-hmm. offer you 370. And they're just blasting out all of these offers. And like uh, two months ago, they would come over with proof of funds and they would come over like with a signed contract to at least try to look more serious. Mm-hmm. And now we're just getting like an email to the agent where you're listed for 400 saying, would they take 260? And you're like, no, like this isn't even an offer. This is an email. Like we're negotiating against ourselves at this point. You're not even showing if you're real. And they'd be like, well, what about 280? And it's like, oh my gosh, like yeah. the, it's a, it's just this influx of, I mean, and there's a business plan there. And what we're seeing is sell, some sellers are saying yes, they're like, I need to liquidate. And then these people are, after they lock it up, it's mostly wholesaling, wholetailing where they're locking it up and then posting it on mm-hmm. Facebook. Hey, this one's listed at 400. I got it tied up at 260. Anyone want it for 280 type thing? Right. So have you guys seen anything like that? Any sort of mass, you know, investor offers? You're at a higher price point you know, up there than the yeah. right here. But, but I, I do run a pretty large real estate group, about 27,000 uh, realtors. And we have been inundated uh, with a lot of posts recently in the last 30 days um, about our realtor.ca, where exactly what you're saying, it's mainly in the Toronto area. Um, I think just mainly because there's not a really lot of bigger, options, uh, bigger guys, popular. But, What's the popular like? Toronto's much bigger than Niagara, where you're at. Yeah, Toronto's I think three to four million, um, yeah. and that's in the GTA, which is the greater Toronto area. In Niagara, there's maybe half a million, and yeah. that's and that's including all the regions in Niagara. If you want to talk about just Niagara Falls, there's only seventy thousand. Want to talk about Niagara on the Lake, where I am, it's only fourteen thousand. Yeah. But I kind of interrupted you. You were saying that, like, yes, in your realtor group, mostly in Toronto, you're starting to see some of the same kind of mass offer or fake offer scenarios. I call yeah. them fake offers. It's like yeah. not even real. It's just exactly. But they're they're only offering on the ones that have been listed lower for offer dates. So, like for example, that one that I was telling you, we listed at seven ninety nine to hold offers in in just outside of Toronto. And we, we got two say, Hey, would they take 600? Well, no, like we're holding offers. So we're, we expect it to sell around 1.2. So yeah, it's really weird. And the wholesalers are back, but the problem is, is that putting the money into it and then reselling it is not a good business strategy. So you're right. They must be bots done, you know, put out by some larger corporation because even the wholesalers are calling me asking how do you get your license 
because they know that they're almost out of business and they will be for at least another six to 12 months because spending all that money with construction costs going up, putting it on the market and eating away because most of these people are probably at private mortgage interest only. And they're not going to be selling it as fast as they want. So it's very interesting how we're seeing these business models come back to a traditional real estate model. Yeah. Yeah. We're seeing a lot of, um, we're seeing a lot of investors and investment loans, people reaching out to me saying, Hey, I've got a, I've got a balloon payment due yeah. and I can't refinance. What do I do? It was going to be a flip. It hasn't sold yet, or it was going to be a rental and I haven't refinanced yet. And I've only got four months left on my refi or some people are like, Hey, I went into default last month and they're like, mm -hmm. I don't think the lender is going to foreclose on me, but I had a balloon payment due a year, due a month ago, but nobody will buy it. And, and there, and, and part of it is this gap now of equity or what the real equity is. You know, the example is they buy a property for, they, ha they have a hard money loan for 400,000 because they bought it, you know, a year ago. And then you know, if you bought something a year ago for 400,000, the, you know, in May, it was worth 450. It just, we, we were in this like crazy growth market. So they're like, cool, I got 50,000 equity on this thing. Or if they bought it, you know, a year prior, even more so. And now when they're going to try to sell, you know, that lender is still saying like, Hey, you got to pay off the, the 400. And a new lender is saying, well, we'll only give you 350 loan for it yeah. because the LTVs went from 90 to 70. And the guys are saying, I don't have 50,000 or I don't have 70,000 actually. Re mm -hmm. All in the refi, their intention was like to pull money out, not put money in. So it creates this extra push, and the we've seen we've started to see um, vacancies go up a bit in rents. So regarding those two things, have you seen much in rents? Do you follow rents much? And then have you like are, with some of the investors? Have you heard any of those investor stories? The investor like kind of balloon payment uh, sagas. Mm -hmm. So rent is stabilizing. And in our market, you know, your average detached three bedroom is probably around 2,500, uh, mm -hmm. which is a huge increase for five years ago, because you're probably we're only looking at maybe 1700. Uh, now, however, in Toronto, rents are still getting, are still very competitive. You know, your two bedroom condos like 3,500, uh, 4,000. Now, um, what what we're seeing to answer your first question about the investors and, and those flips there is that we're seeing some investors and they're they're okay with it. We're seeing about probably I would probably say about eight out of ten investors taking a huge haircut, and some of them five probably fifty percent of that are losing a lot of money. And you know I'm talking the house is worth eight hundred. They've put two hundred into it and they're selling it for four fifty five hundred off market to another investor and just writing off their losses. Now we are also seeing just buyers being hard or sorry, investors being hard headed and yeah. just, I'm like, but you're going to lose it and then you're going to get sued. Yeah. But I'm not selling it for that price. I'm like, how does that even make sense? At least try to wipe away your mortgage and just walk away. So it's very interesting what we're seeing. Um, we are actually seeing multifamily homes come down a lot. And which is a good thing because to be honest, the buyer, I wouldn't say the, the leasing pool has, has dried up, but that leasing pool and anything over 2200 has definitely dried up in our marketplace. So, you know, we're seeing some investors just say, all right, well, screw it. If I bought this at 
seven hundred, and I was expecting four thousand dollars a month, and I'm only getting thirty one, thirty two. I'm just going to list it again. So we're getting those sellers, um, but also they're not realistic either. They're like, well, then I'll just keep it. Okay, well, then why did you even call me? Because we're not investing into sellers right now unless they're serious and we've established the final selling price. Let's talk about that investment style where you mean like invest in your business. How many people are in your office? Uh, we probably have about 22 in, the, in our office. And then in my Muskoka office, we have five. Okay. So the, and last year, especially like in January, February, when we're talking, you had, I mean, you've got, you've got an expensive office. You've got a nice place for people to come. Mm -hmm. You've got a lot of marketing you were doing and it was like full, full growth stage. And the, and, you know, and this last year I got like the biggest office I've ever had. And right now I'm looking at that space, looking into next year going, man, I wish I had a smaller office right now. I wish I had some different needs right now. And I'm trying to restructure and re-strategize what I want to spend money on and what I don't want to spend money on. And what I think is a good decision or not. And I'm trying to balance strategy and fear, right? And going like, no, this is good strategy. Like, I don't want to cut off everything, if, if, you know, if I think there's actually hope or promise in something. Yeah. So what sort of thoughts and conversations are you having up there? And, you know, are you cutting back on things? Are you going full bore because you've got enough volume? Because some people are like, no, we're just going to increase market share. So what are you doing strategy-wise with that? Mm. And what, adv what advice would you give? to like kind of that newer agent that's like maybe on a team of two or three of like, if you're gonna, if you're only gonna have this much money to spend or this much money to work on, focus yep. here yep. because there's just the, the pool got smaller. So lots of questions in there, but I think you get my drift. Yeah, of course. So, uh, the most important thing that we need to know is that the last 24 months was a very market driven um, uh, market. If that makes sense. So yeah. what, I, what I mean by that is that it really didn't take a lot of skill for a transaction to come to completion. The buyers, the market did all the work where now it's a very skill-based market where we need to rely on our ability to convert buyers and sellers in order to make any money at all. So, now that I've said that, I think about this. Ever since COVID, and again, I'm not the type of guy that say online leads are shit, and then somebody else says, you're, the leads aren't shit, you're shit. I know that. I, I understand. But from a realistic standpoint, we don't have time to properly service online leads. What we need to take that money and reinvest in is more opportunities to speak to people face to face because we have a higher conversion rate when talking to people face to face. So number one, start planning out your 2023 on in-person events. Okay. Webinars. Sure. Make that secondary, but make your primary focus in-person events. So for example, January, we're doing uh, vacation rentals. How you can pay off your mortgage it within 10 years by investing in a vacation rental or multifamily. We will touch on the both, but the main theme is vacation rentals. It's a very hot topic right now. And that way we can start pulling buyers from our existing database. It doesn't matter if they haven't bought or sold with us before, if they own their home or if they've bought with us five years ago. 
that is a very rich equity, equity rich lead that if we can educate them on how to access that and pay off their existing mortgage as well as their new mortgage by using this process, our conversion rates are going to go through the roof because we're bringing in experts to completely explain it. Number two is is um our, or sorry so for the february our next event our second event is going to be on I, I forget what it is but let me just pull one out of my ass because i know the entire calendar is interior design so let's invite because we're in a very artistic driven uh demographic here so let's talk about interior design let's get people in the door let's talk about how we can improve their home and show them what it might look like if we were to put it on the market after those improvements are made if not at least we've built that rapport with these people so that while they're getting our uh, event updates directly to their email they could be like hey you know what we had a lot of fun at the last event why don't we go next weekend when it's on our one property away or our first time home buyer segments where we're getting people through the door, we're getting face-to-face, -face, and we're building that rapport, as I mentioned before, to, because it's so much easier than just trying to respond to a lead that's, you know, just accidentally clicked on Facebook. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the so one of the big things is if someone's going to, you're saying, if someone's going to focus their marketing dollars or their marketing efforts in one place, in-person events uh, is the best way. And the, yeah. you know, someone that I interviewed in the last couple weeks um, was on here and he, you know, he mentioned that whatever, whatever the statistics was, statistic was a very high percentage of people choose the, the first agent they see in person. Mm -hmm. I you agree. Know? And it's, and it's based on, sometimes that's based on calls and people get appointments and things like that. But the, it was a super, super high percentage of the person, the agent that they hire is the, is the first agent they met in person when discussing their house. And so mm -hmm. I could see how that focus leads more to the, you know, the real, the real deals, you know, the real, the real business, the real conversions. So getting out there and making sure that you have people are, how, what sort of projections or goals are you looking at for next year where, um, I heard a title company guy go, man, if I could just break even next year, I'll be winning. Right. He's like, if I could just break even because things are rough and if I could just break even, that's great. You know, and we've heard other people say, you know, I was, I did a hundred transactions last year and I hope to do 50 or 60 this next year. I've also now if in fairness, I've interviewed some people that are like, no, I'm going to do just, just as many next year and I'm going to work harder and I'm going to find mm -hmm. a way. Um, what are you projecting or putting in goals? Have you yeah. started to come up with that for next year of, Hey, if like, if we get this, it's a win because the market is just, no matter what it is different. We're different than we were a year ago. We're different than we were two years ago. So whatever we do is probably going to be great. But mm -hmm. how do you think great today compares to great a year ago? So I've got no, I, you know, I've, I'm not ignorant to the fact that this next year is going to be a little bit more challenging, but there's no excuse to not grow. You should be growing your business 30% every year, no matter the market. Now we did, we had a goal of a hundred million last year. And I think I might've talked about that on the podcast uh, mm -hmm. in February and we only hit 75, roughly 75. And majority of that was done in the first three months of the year. So yeah. I've got no doubt in my mind that a hundred million um, is our goal that we are going to hit for 2023.
Real Estate Rockstars. This is Aaron Muchastegui. Thank you for letting me interrupt for a second. I've got something really, really important to talk about. You know how last year we kept talking about that mastermind? What is the mastermind? What are we talking about with that mastermind? Last May, there was like 60 or 70 people of you listeners that had never met, flew out to Austin, Texas. We all hung out at this awesome event center and we spent a couple days with some great guest speakers talking about skills and strategies to succeed in real estate. And then we had these mastermind tables where everyone rotated, everyone got to meet everybody, everyone got to provide value. Some of the agents there had only done one or two deals ever. Some of the agents there had done hundreds of deals and they all got to interact and help each other build their business and build their strategies. And I've heard so many stories of friendships that came from that, of referrals that have come from that. There were six or seven people at that one that heard me talk about doing an Ironman and we all did an Ironman together in, in North Carolina last month and we had never even met before the podcast live. So the, it was, it's, it's been such, such a cool experience. The, I would love it for you guys to come. Today's March 6th through 8th. The signups right now go to hybendigital.com forward slash mastermind. We also have a room block set up. It's three days, downtown Austin. Great, really cool hotel, really cool uh, convention center that we're going to be hosting it. And we're going to get a chance to, I can't wait to meet you guys. I can't wait for you to meet other listeners. I can't wait for you to develop these new interactions. And really what we're teaching, yeah, last year was like, how do you make a business better? But the market was just starting to turn. And I was trying to give some people some advice of what to do when it, when it was happening. Now it has turned. And this time we're going to be talking so much about how to pivot and what to do next. So uh, again, I hope you signed up for the mastermind. Sorry for such the long advertisement, but I can't wait to meet you. Ibendigital.com forward slash mastermind. The, the way we're going to do that is in, I, again, I hate when people say back to basics, but we have to understand that this is not a job. This is not a career. This is our own business. We are responsible for ourselves. So I think we're going to see a lot more self-improvement and development over the next 12 months. We're going to see a lot more belly to belly and we're going to see a lot more involvement on the day to day necessities of the average business owner that is looking to grow. Of course, we're not going to be seeing, you know, the average, uh, you know, mediocre day to day. What's the word I'm looking for activities? I guess you could say, if you could even call it that from the past 24 months where basically everybody was just kind of answering their phone and doing a deal. So we're going to be seeing the growth and that's going to be non-negotiable for myself and my team. Yeah. I love that. I love that the um, being able to focus on, hey, this is different, but no matter what, we still grow and what that growth looks like. And I had an another guy that I that I interviewed out from Austin, Texas, that he talked a lot about, you know, whatever in his mind, it was, you know, if you did an open house a year ago and, and you got 20 leads and you do an open house today and you get two leads, two leads is great. Like whatever you did today was great. Back then, 20, you know, 20 was great. But today, it's just having to look at today's market and doing the best we can and go, no, like, we can't compare, you know, that sort of a, a market when we're trying to say, like, did we have a good day or not? And I think that's going to be one of the toughest things for mindsets for agent right, agents right now. Because if we remember, if we think back to, like, real estate three or four years ago, right? Like, oh, I did this many transactions, and this was good, and this many leads – and, you know, of the offers we submitted, mm. we only got this many or whatever, or, you know, listings taking longer. You know, I th what we'll see now is a lot more like a few years ago. And, and the last couple of years made us, 
you know, unrealistic expectation, not really unrealistic expectations that did perform like that for a while. Yeah. But it was like, but as we look at it now and going like, no, that it's different now. So we need to be able to start figuring out new track records and go like, all right, so what now is our baseline? Is our baseline now two leads per open house? Mm-hmm. Is our baseline now, you know, when you throw events, I, mean, I guess the benefit of in-person events, right, is there are more and more of them like crazy right now. And yeah. people want to get out and people want to do them. There are so many, you know, real estate conferences right now. There's so many investment conferences. There are so many conferences. And a year ago when we looked at getting the, the conference space for our mastermind, it was like we could kind of choose anywhere we wanted. Mm-hmm. Because, and there was no like penalties and there's no contracts. And there was like, everybody's like, please hold an event here. And now there's all these events um, that are scheduled. And so the people are like, no, if you want to use our event space, it's three times as much and you're paying non-refundable. And so people are wanting to go out and meet in person. And I think that's probably that's something right. that wasn't happening two years ago. So it could be a double-edged good opportunity uh, for us out there. You know, yeah. So construction construction investment rates we saw here was like, you know, for, for, for apartments as investors for like building and refinancing, you know, in, in January, we were at like 5%. And now mm-hmm. the quotes we're getting from banks is like 9%. Yeah. And, and that's really tracked through the Fed fund rate. But some people are predicting now that you know, they're, seeing, they're seeing that like inflation is coming down. So mm-hmm. some people are still pushing forward going, no, it's going to be another six to nine months of really aggressive government and no, and no like change in sight. And some other people, and I would say they're um, you know, some optimistic people, the optimistic side is saying, no, I think they're going to do some big drops next quarter because they've seen that inflation has now come down and maybe worse than they thought. Do you have any predictions or like just wild guesses mm-hmm. and or are you running your business for one or the one or the other? Are you thinking about one or the other or is it or does it does it even matter? Um, so I, I, it certainly does matter. But in terms of my predictions, I mean, we're, we're not going to. The only thing that we're going to adjust is the information and how we talk to people. That's it. Nothing else from a business standpoint or any of our structures is necessarily going to change. We're going to keep going. Um, now, having said that, what I feel is going to happen is that, but again, in August, I was asked this question and I'm like, okay, we're going to go down by the end of the second quarter of 2023 we're gonna we're gonna see things level off january february march and then by april may you know june we're gonna start seeing things adjust to a lower rate and start that decrease um i don't think that's gonna happen until maybe third or fourth quarter of next year now i think we we have to just let people get used to that four to six percent rate and i think we're gonna but here's the thing Although the rates won't change until the third or fourth quarter, what I do feel and sense is that how did we go from, you know, a thousand transactions a quarter from our, um, or from our Toronto board to just a few hundred? So where did all those buyers go? The prices have come down 20 to 30%. Where are these buyers? So my prediction is that although the rates won't change, there's going to be a massive buyer pent up energy that is just going to be released into our market. Not as much as it was January, February of last year. And we're not going to be seeing people competing and going in unconditional. 
Um, we might see competing, but I don't think we're going to see, you know, $200,000 over asking and all that. But I do see sense that the market value is going to stabilize as, you know, over the past three months, we might have only gone down five to 10%, where over the past 12 months, we've gone down 20 to 30. So we are seeing that decline happen. But I still think that there is a buyer pent up energy in Canada. We're short about 1.5 million homes. And that is huge considering that the Canadian government is going to be bringing in over a million immigrants in the next 12 to 18 months. I believe that's the numbers anyways. Regardless, we still have an inventory problem. Those buyers did not completely disappear. Like like you said, you were getting 20 leads in open house and now you're only getting two. Where did the other 18 people go? They didn't die. They didn't go off the face of the earth. They're going to be coming back. It's not going to be as intense, but they're going to be coming back. Yeah. I think it's a really interesting perspective. I mean, the, the reality is, 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 yes, where did they go? And they will be coming back. It's a question of when and how. Yeah. Right? I know that some, I mean, some, some, a part of what increased demand so much, you know, 18 months ago was rates are really low. And we're spending more time in our houses than ever before. And so people decided they wanted to be homeowners that had never really thought that before. So I think that there's probably a percentage of buyers that like they were coming in because it was cheaper to buy than it was to rent. And now I think that's still going to be turned on its head for a while, even when we get yeah. back to like, you know, four and a half, five percent, you know, 30 years ago. Right. But, but I like the other perspective too, when it comes to like the, you know, that some, some of them are glad they didn't buy a house a year ago because now they're feeling like price are coming down. But there's a lot of them that are frustrated and feel like they waited too long to buy that house. And right now it's kind of like the seller that says, I'm not going to sell it for 300 when I have 400 into it and they're stuck. There's probably some buyers too that they're sitting there going, no, I'm not going to go get a 5% loan when I could have got a 3% loan. And eventually people get tired of waiting and they go, okay, I'll, I'll take the haircut and sell that house. Or you know what? I've realized prices are never going to be 3% again. It's time to get off. Figure out how long it takes for people to re-enter on both sides of that equation. Because sellers need right. to be willing to sell for stuff to move, and buyers need to be willing to buy. And right now, we don't have either in right, my market. And, 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 and I agree. But here's where if people would consider the opportunities, number one, the way the ratios are working out, the, the prices have dropped so much that over the course of 5, 15, um, 20 years even, you're, you're paying off more equity even with the higher – well, sorry, maybe not paying off more equity, but you're going to owe a lot less on your home within 10 years even with these increased rates. Now, what we're seeing is the way the ratios are working, if you're downgrading or upgrading – you're still winning in this market right now. If you are making a lateral move, it doesn't really make sense. You will be losing money. However, if you're downsizing, that price that you're buying at, man, unbelievable. If you're upsizing and now you're getting a uh, you know a two million dollar mansion for one point five, like you're winning because those prices, especially in the higher quality builds and, um, you know, with the luxury finishes, those are not going to stay low for that long. Now, uh, and I'm sure you heard that viral, um, 
audio from David Ramsey, right? You know, buy the house, yeah. right? Because the that's so true. If you're buying a house that was once selling for eight nine hundred, although inflated, now you can buy it for. 500. Okay, sure. So you have to pay, you get a one year term mortgage and then you refinance the house. It's not going to be the, this high of rates. It's impossible. And I'll tell you why it's impossible. And again, I'm no economist, but the way the inflation rate is right now, because we want to be around a, about a 2% inflation. Right. That's the rate that we would love to be. And that's the sweet spot in Canada right now. We're currently close to the seven. So once those inflation rates, because the government's going to be intervening a lot to get that down. Think about the opportunity in terms of equity that you can build for yourself just by getting into the market right now. Yeah, it's a really interesting perspective to try to for people that are having FOMO and disappointment they missed out in January, right? Because in January, you could get a 3.5% loan still. So somebody's saying, hey, I wish I would have bought that house for $500,000 for 3.5%, but they could buy the house today for $400,000 know, at 7%, right? Like crazy, crazy interest rate numbers. But five years from now, the person that bought at 400 will owe less than the person that bought at 500. 10 years from now, the person that bought at 400,000 will owe less than the person at 500. And around that time is probably when, you know, 15, 20 years when they start kind of catching up with each, each other. Yeah. But most yeah. people aren't going to own that house in 15 or 20 years. So exactly. really interesting perspective when you try to go go further out on the the model. Like, yes, there is a chance that you can wait another six months and get it even cheaper. But if you're looking at five or 10 years out, you're, you, you know, you're going to have some pretty good opportunities. This was a fun conversation, Andrew. The uh, It was good to be able to, to catch up with you again and get to hear what's going on, especially with, you know, just, with just how much volume and how much stuff that you're doing. You know, if the listeners want to go follow along, they want to go hear more about what you're doing. They want to ask you some questions. What's the best way they can see what you're doing out there. Just at the Andrew Perry on Instagram. And that's the best way I, I follow back. I respond to DMS. Always happy to chat. Yeah. That, same with me as the, that is the most, that's where I have the most fun. I have the most fun interacting with listeners on Instagram. And it's the same mm -hmm. thing. I've, I've developed a lot of friendships, a lot of real conversations on there. So this was great. Any final thoughts for any, all, any of the listeners? I just think that, uh, you know, now's not the time to take your foot off the gas and really work on self-development and not just from a business standpoint. I think it's super, super crucial that you focus on your health as well because I was, you know, going through a rough time over the last few months just because the expenses were just so high and nothing was selling. But had I, you know, let, let myself go, start drinking, start eating sh like shit, you know, I would have lost all perspective. So get into a routine, eat healthy, you know, have fun over the holidays, but you know, come January, put your mind back into the business. Yeah. We we're not actually, and I'm so glad that was your final thought. And for the listeners out there, like take that seriously because we aren't talking about that enough. And that was something that happened the first three or four months of COVID and lockdowns and people working from home. I had to start reminding workers, like take a shower every day. You're used yeah. to being in an office. Yeah. Now you're working from home. Like get up at the normal time, drink, do your same routine and go sit at your computer as if you went into the office. And then when you walk with, so like mental health during trying times, huge. huge. And the more, and the brain can solve problems. 
right? Like the brain can solve problems. And sometimes for me, it's like, I got to go get on my bike or get on the treadmill, or I got to go walk 18 holes on the golf course. But when I'm healthy and it's energizing, man, if times are tough, health is actually even more important. And it's the first thing that we kind of let go of. We I go agree. like, man, this is rough. Like I need a drink. I need a something. Totally yep. true, man. I love it. Well, awesome. Final thoughts there, Andrew. So Andrew, thanks for coming on the Real Estate Rockstars podcast again. I appreciate it, man. Real Estate Rockstars. Thanks for listening. All right, Real Estate Rockstars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents and we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there so go give us a review also be sure to go to hybendigital.com if you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients and we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you so go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate. How to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.